now this is recording. RTI International Center for Forensic Science presents Just Science. Hello and welcome to Just Science. I'm Lauren Mayhem, your producer and host. As our normal listeners can already tell this week, we are doing things a little different to celebrate National Forensic Science Week. Just Science will be releasing multiple Just So You Know episodes, where you'll be hearing directly from the Forensic Technology Center of Excellence's team. Today, we have Nicole Jones on to discuss her background and all the resources she brings to the FTCOE. Welcome, Nicole. Hi, Lauren. So, Nicole, uh, tell me, what is your job title at RTI? Okay, at RTI, I'm the Associate Director in the Center for Forensic Sciences, which basically means I manage the operations side of things. What is your undergrad in? My undergrad is actually in uh, forensic chemistry from okay. Ohio University. Yeah. Okay, and then so what did you do after you graduated? So I grew up in Ohio, and so I didn't want to stay there any longer because it was really, really cold. So I went down to Florida, and I did a lot of environmental work. And so I worked at what used to be called Harbor Branch Oceanographic Institute, doing a lot of work on uh, nutrient analysis and the coral reefs and that type of thing. Oh, wow. So you were living the good life. Then. Yeah. <laughs> Straight out of college, just living living on the beach. Yeah, yeah. The best life. It was good until the hurricanes started coming around and then Oh yeah, and, <laughs> and it was hot. Yeah. Okay. So what made you move away from Florida? So actually, uh, I guess my hand was forced there. The um, Harbor Branch Oceanographic Institute started to get into a lot of dolphin research and dolphin rehabilitation, and so they actually decided to downsize the environmental work that they were doing. Oh, okay. So it worked out well. I ended up getting a job at a, another environmental and engineering facility up in Charleston, and that's what led way to, one, me learning LCMSMS and then also working with the Naval Weapons Station there to develop some training and things like that. Okay, that's so. really cool. So how long did you stay in Charleston? I was in Charleston from 1999 to 2003. You left Charleston and got a job at RTI. What were you helping NLCP with at this point? Originally, what I was hired to do was to help them develop the guidelines that they would use when you go in to inspect laboratories, um, since all the previous guidelines and questions had been to do with immunoassay and then GCMS. But it ended up being that it took years and years and years for the uh, new matrices to actually get approved. So in the meantime, that's when I started working on proficiency testing samples for explosives. Okay. And then one thing led to another and different projects came up here and there. And so uh, at what point did you get your master's degree? Is this before or after RTI? It was after I was at RTI, um, and RTI supported me through that program. So if I remember right, the years all blend together, but I think I graduated in 2014. What is your role specifically within the FTCOE, though? So within the FTCOE, I am the Addressing Challenges Manager. Okay, and what exactly is an Addressing Challenges Manager? What does that mean to listeners? So a lot of the things that I do involve convening expert working groups, um, writing up guidance documents, you know, anything like that that might be a special initiative or a special problem that, that we need to address for the community. Do you know what some of the special initiatives are that the NIJ has for this year for the FTCOE? Yeah, so some of the ones we're working on, um, NIJ established, or actually I guess it was DOJ established, the Forensic Laboratory Needs Technology Working Group. We had our first meeting of that working group in September, and the second meeting will be in October. And so that working group is quite a bit different than the traditional R&D working group that NIJ has that informs research needs. So this one's looking more at 
operational issues and what some of the barriers are to implementation of R&D in the laboratories. Okay. Okay. Does that require a lot of crime lab director input? It does. So the working group's actually made up of 15 crime lab directors and then five academic researchers. Okay. Got plenty of opinions yes. from different sides yes. going in on that. So what other working groups are you currently working? So that's the only one that's that's active right now. In the past, we've convened working groups of um, medical legal death investigators, medical examiners, coroners, uh, to look at issues that are specific to them, especially in light of the current opioid epidemic. We've convened expert working groups of crime lab directors uh, to discuss ways of strengthening forensic science services um, and, and various others in the past. Some of the other things that we're looking at this year, some of the events that we're doing, so things like the R&D Symposium to really get the R&D out into the community, um, and that takes place at the American Academy of Forensic Sciences. And R&D is uh, one that we typically do every year, correct, at AFS? That's correct. And so how many years do we now have under our belt? The first year the RTI did it was 2012. So this coming year will be the seventh one. And how many uh, presenters are normally? So it usually features 16 research projects. Um, okay. And so normally that means there are 16 presenters, but sometimes uh, professors like to bring a student along as well to help with the presentation so that it might be split between two presenters. And what topics and disciplines are normally covered? Yeah, so we cover DNA, we cover impression pattern, usually cover medical legal death investigation, and then controlled substances slash toxicology. So usually it's broken up into four segments. And these are all archived, correct? So yes. listeners, okay. Yeah, so anybody can go back and listen to the one this year or any of the years previous. Perfect. That's great. Um, there's also a proceedings that comes out. So the proceedings covers all the different presenters as well as their abstracts and then some general information about NIJ and the R&D program. The Forensic Technology Center of Excellence has key things that it does every year for addressing challenges. And typically R&D is one of the events that we cover. And then we typically do uh, workshops throughout the year and other things to that nature. What is some of the past symposiums that listeners can maybe go back and look at? We've done three now, impression pattern symposiums and two trace symposiums that were in conjunction with two of those impression pattern. What can attendee get that's different from a symposium versus a workshop versus a policy forum? What's the difference in those? So a lot of that is actually geared toward the audience. So the policy forums are typically geared more toward legislators and that type of audience, so more your Capitol Hill type of audience. The workshops are usually more hands-on and are really for your bench practitioners. And then the symposiums are more about really translating research into practice. So a lot of those are either NIJ-funded research, or they could be other agencies, um, either NIST or DOD or, or anybody, really, and then getting that information out to the practitioners so that hopefully they can implement that research into their crime laboratory. What is the most interesting thing that you have seen or done for the FTCOE? So a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to work with a group of forensic radiologists, um, and it was an international group. It was in conjunction with the Amsterdam Medical College, as well as the Hague, which is the Netherlands uh, Forensic Institute, where they are located. It's kind of their Washington, D.C., where everything happens in the Netherlands. Um, and so that was a really good meeting. We brought together forensic radiologists from South Africa, from Switzerland, from the UK, Prague, various parts of the US, to all talk about the way that autopsies are done in different countries. And part of that is that many other countries don't actually do autopsies, they do virtual autopsies using uh, forensic radiology. Whereas in the US, we really focus more on traditional autopsy. 
Oh, wow. That is really interesting. And so what came out of that? So we published a report that came out of that about the meeting. And then the actual medical examiners and radiologists that were there also published a peer review paper. And uh, you can find all of these on the Forensic COE website. You can. The paper that we publish is on the website, and it references the peer-reviewed paper that Perfect. the group published as well. Let's talk about how you got into forensics. Yeah, so um, like I said earlier, I was an undergrad at Ohio University, and um, I was studying chemical engineering, because engineering is big in my family. In 1994, oh, I'm dating myself now, I decided to stay that summer at school to knock out organic chemistry, one and two. I was like, I'm just going to knock it out over the summer, no problem. And so, um, you know, it's June of, of 1994, and the O.J. Simpson oh. Bronco race okay, comes here on we TV. Go. And so, you know, some people watch Friends. and Nicole Jones watches the Bronco <laughs> run yeah, from the police. Yeah. There was, we go. So um, so anyway, so, so that happened in June, and I was, like I said, there all summer taking organic chemistry. And then the trial started in in the fall. I don't remember if it was October, November, when in there. But the trial ran my whole junior year. And I remember, like, we would literally get to – I think that was one of the first trials, if not the first trial, that they actually televised. And so it was a big deal. Like, I, I'm like we would get together just like we got together to watch Friends. Like, we would get together and watch the trial. And so that whole year I was like, wow, this forensic science stuff is really interesting. If you think about it, a lot of the big names, you know, Barry Sheck – and Rock Harmon, Peter Newfeld, you know, all those all those people we were watching them on TV and I was like, man, this forensic thing's really interesting. I wonder I wonder if my school has a program for that. And it just so happened that Ohio University did have a forensic chemistry program that was founded by Dr. James Tong. And a couple of my professors back there at the time, you know, Bruce McCord was there, um, Peter Harrington. So, you know, so, again, some names that are are still doing research today. So I was really lucky that 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 program happened to be at my school because at that point in time there weren't very many forensic programs. And because I was already in chemical engineering, it turned out that a lot of my base classes were the same. So even though I switched my major my junior year, I didn't I didn't have to add on that much time. So it really worked out well. But you didn't actually start working in forensics until later, correct? Right. So right. you so you did the environmental thing, but until you got to RTI, that was the first time that you were truly in yeah, I would. Yeah, definitely. So I did a few internships here and there, um, and some of them not what you would consider traditional forensics. Um, I worked for did several stints, I would say, at um, Nestle doing a lot of work in um, authenticating juices because a lot of the juices that they get, you know, maybe are supposed to be grape or apple or pear or whatever, but, you know, they get them from other countries and you had have to do analysis on it to make sure it's actually what they say it is because a lot of times they'll dilute it with cheaper juices. So I was doing that kind of work. So it's not really forensic, cool, yeah. but it's related, you yeah. know. And then I did, you know, I did internships at the um, Columbus Crime Lab and the Ohio uh, Reference Laboratory and things like that. So I did have some other forensic right. experience. Yeah. But the not, long game. Yeah, was the where, long game. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that I did at that particular laboratory um, was, you know, people would send in complaints like, oh, I found a rat tooth in my... Stouffer's hot meal or whatever, or your lean cuisine. And so you'd actually have to analyze it to see, well, is it really a rat or is it like somebody's kid's tooth that they just threw in there to try, you know, things like that. All sorts of different weird things that people would (laughs) say they found in their food. That's great. 
That's yeah. That's an interesting job. That's the what is it? Uh, the dirty jobs thing. The, yeah, yeah. That's like one of those. Oh kind of yeah, things. you have no idea because some of that too involved because Nestle owns like everything, and so um, they had several dog food lines, and so you'd have to you know, grind up the dog food to be able to actually take a, a good sample, a consistent sample or a representative sample to be able to then test that to make sure there wasn't anything like roadkill or you know, right, <laughs> like yeah, anything yeah. that shouldn't be in there was in there. So, Okay, so I'm going to throw you a curveball like I threw Erica one. So uh, in all of your FTCOE knowledge, what is the most either interesting SME or the most interesting topic that you can remember that, you know, listeners can go and check out on our website? So um, another one of my favorite projects that I worked on was the optical topography one. And so that was a working group that we did with NIST um, looking at 3D imaging for firearms and tool marks. We published a report out of that, and it's, it's on the website. You should definitely check it out. It's pretty interesting what they can do with optical topography. If you could have any job and you don't have to have any of the qualifications for it, what would you be doing? So I always wanted to go into veterinary science because I love animals. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I do. Um, but ironically, when I went to do an internship, when I, I think I was still in high school, maybe college, I fainted at my first surgery. So then I decided maybe that wasn't the field for maybe me. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. But if, if I had a stronger stomach, that might be it. <laughs> okay. And you could go to NC State? They got That's a great right. vet they school. They have a great You're vet right school. Here. Right yeah. here, right down the road. Thank you, Nicole Jones, for being on Just Science. Oh, thanks, Lauren. It was fun. <laughs> Opinions or points of views expressed in this podcast represent a consensus of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official position or policies of its funding. <laughs>